All right, 11 Dubcast. We are, I, you know, I'm starting to come down from the high of the national championship. I've bought all the merchandise. What? I've got all the books. I'm still, I still, look, I'm still happy. I'm still feeling, you know, very warm inside and, you know, very content with life. But I, I'm no longer at that twitchy caffeine level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what like, you mean because, I, I mean, I, I actually accepted the fact that it's the off season now and I, yeah. like I wrote my article to, you know, open letter to the off season to not suck. And, um, <laughs> right. and, and you know, so I, I get what you're saying. It's like, all right, it's still awesome that we're champions, but now it's sort of like you have to find something else to do. Right. You can only watch the national championship game, the Sugar Bowl, so many times. Um, so many times. I mean, again, this is the, I will probably continue to watch it in like one week intervals for the next, you know, several months. But anyway, I, I'm, I forgot to introduce myself. I am John Aginner for those first listening. And I'm Michael Citro, whether it's your first time or not. Yeah, that's right. My name does change depending on the dubcast. Michael's does <laughs> not. Um, but, you know, because we are kind of coming down, we've got to find other things to occupy our time. And in that time, there has been recruiting, which we talked about extensively last week, which was just, you know, our big blowout recruiting special. And then, of course, there's Ohio State basketball. So we're going to talk about both of those in turn. I want to start with the saga around Mr. Mike Weber, um, which, again, you know... I hate like piling on the what has apparently just been a complete non-story uh, around a 17-year-old kid and his frustration at you know maybe losing a position coach that he was you know looking forward to playing under. Mm-hmm. But I guess the larger question that is brought up because of this situation is I guess letters of intent in general. So Mike Weber, I mean, if you guys you know. If you were paying attention to it, he, he had a tweet on, like, I'm real excited to, to play under Alford now, and we'll talk about Alford higher here in a second. But overall, do you think that a school should give kids an out? Because, I mean, one of the things that really irked me is that, you know, Drayton, and, and more power to him, is going to go ahead and make hundreds of thousands of dollars, can do that on a whim whenever he feels like, Mike Weber, once he signs that letter of intent, is pretty much locked in. Mm-hmm. Like he can't, he doesn't have the same freedom that that you know coach does. Right. And I just, I don't know. That that's what kind of that's what to me the story is really about. Yeah, you know, I think that the for me, you know, I think there should be maybe a, a grace period of where it's okay to opt out. But I think yeah. because the schools need to know and these coaches need to know what they're going to have for next year. I think there needs to be some kind of drop dead deadline where okay now you're locked in, but okay sure. so maybe National Signing Day you, maybe you get like a week, uh, you, like a like a lemon law kind of thing you know you get some a, a certain amount of time to change your mind because you know you, you might have that second thought or, or something like this happens where Stan Drayton goes to the uh, NFL to coach. Um, I will say this though you know Matt Burrell said this last week that you know relationships are really the most important thing in the recruiting process and you know that first point of contact is your position coach but ultimately these guys meet Urban Meyer and they make that yeah. connection as well and I think there's there's additional things that go into you know recruiting and it's not just your position coach because I think these kids know I mean on an intellectual level most of them are smart enough to know position coaches you know they don't have that big of a shelf life sometimes. And right. especially on a staff like Urban Myers, you have to always know that that's a possibility that your position coach might get a raise and go somewhere else. Um, 
So, you know, it, it was unfortunate for him. I know he was frustrated, he t- you know, and he tweeted it out, and and that's fine. But at no point did he really say, I wish I hadn't signed at Ohio State. You know, <laughs> right. It was it was a kid who was disappointed in what happened, as he should be. He had every right to be, uh, to feel the way he did. Uh, because even if, you know, even if Stan Drayton had interviewed the morning after signing day, and got hired later that afternoon. It was that quickly. You know for a fact that some, you know, executive assistant had to set up the travel and get the, you know, right. you know, put that on the schedule and, and get that all set up. So you know, it just didn't happen that day. It, it yeah. got started earlier, and you know, it's, you know, your coaching staff. You're walking that fine line. Do I say something to the kid about I might be leaving and risk losing him, and, and you know, and be honest and upfront. Or do I make sure we lock him in and then we'll see what happens and see if I get the job? Because maybe I don't even get the job. Yeah, well, i got to tell you something. I think the, the larger moral of the story, for recruits at least, is if you're a big-time recruit and you even have an inkling that something like that might happen, just don't sign on signing day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let the let the situation play itself out. There's no law that says you have to sign then. I mean, you have a grace period. Look at Terrell Pryor. Yeah, take advantage of it. Like, seriously, because... Honestly, if, if that's something where that might happen, and, and like you said, I mean, Urban Meyer's staff is, you know, they are a prime example of why you might want to do that because they are constantly moving on to bigger and, you know, maybe not necessarily better things, but other things, and, you know, to kind of advance their careers. I mean, shoot, if you're a big-time recruit and you're afraid that might happen, then don't sign. Just wait. It's still going to be there. They're still going to have that spot. Um you know, as long as they don't, if, if you're really worth it and they don't think you're really jerking around and you're just, you know, trying to bide your time a little bit and make a right decision, then I think you're entitled to that. Mm-hmm. I also think that schools probably should be a little more generous about letting kids out of that letter of intent. And I also think the NCAA needs to, I mean, again, I agree, there has to be a hard line for schools because that's, you know, that's important just to, to do the program period. But they've got to be a little more. I just feel like the power is incredibly imbalanced in favor of people making millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And it always, versus it always has been, kid. and it always will be in all walks of life. Right. <laughs> but I, I think I think it doesn't always necessarily have to be this quite imbalanced. Mm-hmm. I think there are things that the NCAA can do to give these recruits a little bit more uh, control and – I don't know what the word would be. Maybe <laughs> like autonomy. The yeah. NCAA giving up some control. That's funny. I know, but that's what they regulated cream cheese for God's sake. That's that's very true, (laughs) but I just think that that would be that would be nice. (laughs) It would be nice, you know. And I agree. And and while I'm and while I'm wishing for things, I would like a pony. (laughs) Pony, yes. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. you know, I I agree with that. It's 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 tough to uh, to watch the the one with all the power, you know, get everything they want, and the one that's powerless get nothing. But um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think in this case, though. I, I think um, young Mr. Weber will end up being being very happy with his decision, and I don't think he'll he'll end up regretting it. And I think that uh, in the end, Ohio State gets a good player, and of course the player yeah. gets a good school and a good coach and a good education and all of those things. So I, I think it works out for everybody. But I do agree with you. Some the, the players need to get be given a little bit more leeway uh, when things like that happen. I mean, they they obviously when things like a, a school getting put on, you know. Um, NCAA sanctions or if a coach leaves, those kind of things, they have some recourse. But in this case, you know, there's really nothing they can do. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and you're right. Like, Mike Weber is going to come to Ohio State and go, God, what a crap hole program. I can't <laughs> believe I got to spend four years with Urban Meyer. Ugh. Um, but, you know, it's it just, it feels like one of those things where you can, I don't know, you just really feel for the yeah. kid in general. Who I don't feel for, uh, who I'm really just excited that they're feeling bad right now is, of course, Notre Dame. <laughs> because Stan Drayton's replacement is, is I mean, look, I don't want to say that he's necessarily like a step up. I mean, Stan Drayton's a great coach. And I got to tell you something, though, man. Bringing Alford, poaching Notre Dame yet again. I mean, holy crap. We, we have just ransacked Notre Dame in terms of coaching. Tony Alford is an excellent recru- recruiter, knows Urban Meyer. Uh, I think back at Colorado State, uh, he was a player and Urban Meyer was coaching there. Um, really personable. A lot of guys really like him. A lot of recruits really like him. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel bad for Ryan Kelly because screw that guy. Right. Notre Dame in general, I feel very little sympathy for. And the fact that we've gotten the coaches from them that we have makes me very happy. So Tony Alford, I think, is, is an excellent replacement for Drayton. I think he's going to have an immediate impact, especially in a recruiting. Yeah, he's a good recruiter. So I'm really we, we, we know that. We've, we've heard the stories about what an excellent recruiter he is, and that is, of course, job number one when you come to Ohio State and, and coach under yeah. Urban Myers. You've got to be a great recruiter. Yeah, I don't feel bad for Brian Kelly. He's lost three coaches this year, by the way, three assistants, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, in short do. order, too. So, you know, he's it's late in the process to be trying to replace guys like that. Um, I, I want to talk about basketball real quick. Uh, we've got to move on to ask us anything, okay. but I just want to mention real quick. I want to get your hot take on uh, what's going on, like with the Mark Loving situation, and, and really kind of what like Ohio State's going to look like going forward, maybe with or without, or we have no idea. But like, I mean, because they just blew the crap out of Rutgers, <laughs> right? Like they just blew their doors yes. off. But then they lost by two at Purdue. Uh, you know, about four days before that. So like. I mean, they've won four of the last five. That includes a really nice win against Maryland. Mm-hmm. They beat Indiana pretty convincingly. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't put a beat on this team because of the loving situation. A guy who's shooting like 50% from three, right? Like, that's a really hard dude to replace. But I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you think? What, what's going on well, with this team right I think, now? First of all, I think the loving thing caught them off guard right before Purdue. And so they were kind of going into that game thinking he was going to be playing for them. And then all of a sudden he wasn't. And then they had a few days to practice without him getting ready for Rutgers. And, oh, by the way, they're still Rutgers. So, you (laughs) know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Two and ten in the Big Ten. It wasn't that big a deal to go into Rutgers and, and, you know, beat them. I think they had, like, a 20-point lead at halftime, and it didn't really grow in the second half. So it wasn't like they, they, like, kicked the crap out of them in the second half and won by 50 or whatever. But um, the weird thing to me is, number one, they didn't call it a suspension. And to my knowledge, yeah. they still haven't called it a suspension. He's lost the privilege. And the second thing about it is that Thad Mata doesn't seem to know when the hell he's getting the player back or if he's getting him back, which right, leads right. you to wonder what the heck is going on. And the, Yeah, that makes me think it's something in academic. My, in my mind, I, I see team. a flood of Freedom of Information Act emails going to Ohio State <laughs> from like every reporter yeah. in you know in the, every, everybody that covers basketball to find out what's going on. There's got to be an email somewhere that says something, so uh, or a letter, oh. and, and you know, hopefully <laughs> not on Thad Mata's desktop. Right. So so these FOIA requests are going in, and, and so the truth <laughs> is going to come out at some point. But um, it would be nice to know what it is and what we can expect as far as length of time, or if we're ever going to see this right. kid play again. 
Right. Well, I got to tell you something. As long as, like, D'Angelo Russell and Deshaun Tate and, you know, well, okay, just those guys. <laughs> but, as, but as long as the young guys on the team, uh, Bates, Diop, you know, some of the I other like dudes. I like Kata Bates, As Diop. long as they're, like, yeah, man, as long as, as long as they're killing it on the floor, like, I, I think the team can still be really good. And, you know, schedule, the Big Ten is not maybe what it's been the past couple of years, right? Like it's, I would say maybe this year and even the year before, it's been kind of down a little bit. Uh, you know, you've got Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, which is, you know, definitely not having a great year. Uh, Nebraska, Purdue, Penn State, and then, of course, against Wisconsin to close out the year. That's not an unmanageable schedule. Right. I mean, Wisconsin obviously is real difficult, and Michigan State's always going to be tough. But you can get a roll going, I think, going into March. And I don't know. I, I think this is a really young team, and they've continued to improve, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, Russell, man, you, if you guys are listening to this, you better take every chance you can to watch D'Angelo Russell because what he's doing, he's not like he's not dom like he's not like some crazy physical dominating force like LeBron, right? Like that's not what he is. But he just does so many things so well, and it's I don't know. It's just mind blowing to me some of the things that he's doing effortlessly. It's it's a really fun guy to watch. So I you know check him out while you can because. He's not going to be around for yeah, much. The game longer. just seems slower for him than it does for everybody else. Like yeah. he's not the moment is never really too big. He 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 seems to know what's going to happen before it actually happens. Good, an incredible basketball IQ to go with an insane ability to shoot and pass and defend and get rebounds and right. it's great to watch him play. I, you know, and I agree with you. I think this team can close it out and get into the tournament. And I don't know how special it is, but I guess we'll find out. They should get better and better. Even without loving, it's it you know Thad will get them to to play in their best basketball you know in, down the home stretch and we'll see what happens from there. I mean, but I also think you're right about the Big Ten being a little down. I think when the Wisconsin buzz cuts are your bell cow, um, it's probably not the strongest conference uh, in America. I think when the when the conference is at its best, I think is when you have like Michigan State, Ohio State, you know maybe Michigan and Wisconsin all kind of right. up there together. Uh, I mean, to be fair, Wisconsin's a very good They're team. They're a very good year. team. I, mean, offensively. I hate the way they play, and I hate Bo Ryan. And, and... <laughs> Everybody does, but they're still they're mm-hmm. still really good. Like I can't deny that they they definitely got some legit talent on that team. Um, and you know, Bo Ryan's a turd, but it, come on, like it's, it's it's sometimes it's fun to watch the villain win occasionally. Like obviously, I want to beat them, you know, at home on the last game of the year, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so that's a little basketball, a little recruiting. Let's get to Ask Us Anything. Ask Us Anything, of course, uh, the point in this program where you can ask us literally anything. Uh, you can send us an email, dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com, spell it all out. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, uh, just at 11dubcast. So we've got, we got some questions this week, Michael. Yay. Um, we've, we've got a number of questions, and I, I want to get through these kind of right. quickly because we do have Let's several roll. Uh, first one here this is from uh, Tom Skeen. Uh, you are Urban Meyer prior to kickoff against Virginia Tech in 2015, so I this am? year. What kind of rah-rah speech are you giving to the Bucks to get them fired up to hang a million points on these guys? I'm just showing them film from last year. That's exactly what I was going to say. That is, yeah, pretty much and it. And then you, all you have to say is, what do you think? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, guys? How was that? Was that good? You like that? Fun to watch. Yeah. I, I think I think this team's competitive enough that you really don't need to give them a raw raw speech. Show them that film. Go. Let's go I get feel them. So sorry 
for Virginia Tech next year. They are they're gonna die. Like it's gonna be really bad. Um, that's gonna be a fun one to watch. Secondly, here, assuming that hopefully Ohio State advances to the title game this year, uh, what team would you like to see them play against and why? Um, so I guess he's referring to in that season, the 2015 season. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think on that? It doesn't even, it doesn't even matter to me. I don't, I, I will take anyone on. If you can tell me right now, we're going to be in the national championship game. I'll say, I don't care. Bring anybody on. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny to me. Like I, if you had asked me that question this year, I'd say Alabama in a second, right? right? Yeah. Like, I want to take down Alabama, but that, but that cat, but that monkey has been taken off been our backs there, like done that. that. Yeah. Uh, no, That's I think I would say um, give us Baylor or TCU and let us show you why they shouldn't have been in last year. <laughs> that's not. I think that's a really good one. I would say I want to go on just a revenge tour for my college career. I, you know what? I want LSU or Florida to be inexplicably you know, worthy of being in the national championship next year, and I want to just beat the living crap out of them. I need to get those demons. I need to exorcise those demons to exorcise those demons. Uh and then he says, take care, guys. So, you know what, Tom? Take care of yourself. I, I hope I hope you also take care. Um, all right. So, Greg uh, wants to know. we got three interesting questions here. I don't know how well you're going to do on this first Probably one. Probably bad. If Urban Meyer was a Pokemon gym leader, which gym would he lead? I'm out. <laughs> I don't do I don't, Pokemon. Was I, don't not do a, Pokemon. I don't your... know Pokemon. I barely even know anything like that Pokemon exists. So, I, wow. I missed the Pokemon. I, I feel sorry for you. Michael Citro. I don't. Uh, I actually, I have an answer for this. Um, I really, I, I can't believe I do, but I do. I, I'm going to have to say Whitney uh, from Goldenrod Gym in uh, Gold Silver. Okay, so that's a, a very specific answer. Whitney has a Pokemon uh, called, I think it's called Milk Tank, and it's literally just a big pink cow. That's literally all it is. And it's got this one move called Rollout, where if you keep using that move, it just gets harder and harder to defend against. Here's my point. Uh, Urban Meyer is not, like, people like to think that, you know, spread offense, flash and dash. That's not really what it is. It's really just run the ball down your throat out of a bunch of different packages. And if it works, he's going to keep doing it. So I compare him very favorably to Whitney, where she just roll, uses rollout, and then your entire team gets, like, blown away because it's the beginning of the game, and you get really mad, and you throw your Game Boy, and you, uh, you quit. And then, and I feel like that's kind of the the feeling that Urban Meyer elicits in a lot of his opponents. So that is your actual answer, Greg. Uh, I hope that is relevant to you somehow, or any of the several dozen people listening to this. Um, okay, uh, two. <laughs> I really hope people haven't just immediately like turned it off. <laughs> Are we still? Uh, on? I'm 30 years old. Yeah, I'm 30 years old, Michael. Um, Two, in the next 10 years, would you rather have OSU win an additional two national championships in football or three basketball national championships? Mm. What do you think? That's a great question, and I, I like I like three because three is more. Um, it is. I prefer football, so I like football, but I like three more than I like two. And also, I haven't witnessed a basketball championship, and I would like to do that. So maybe yeah, I would have I to think, say if it's an either or, maybe I just have to live off of the 2014 season for a while and then enjoy some incredible Ohio State basketball. Yeah, well, I, I would agree with that. But Greg also says if this is too easy for you, then make the amount equal. So what if it's two in each or three in each? Football. Yeah, Dynasty I go football. and everyone in the country can suck it. <laughs> 
That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, because football may not exist in the next, like, 10 or 15 years, you might as well get your championships while you can take them. Um, okay, so three. You suddenly come across Marty McFly's DeLorean. You can go back in time, but you only have enough fuel for one trip. Assuming you don't care about helping humanity in many other <laughs> ways, which, of course, we do not, uh, which one game in any sport do you go back and change the outcome of? Oh, man. Um, I, this is a toss-up for me. Because I'm either uh-huh. changing that, that uh, 07 championship game against Florida, because that was my favorite Buckeye team of all time to watch. Sure. Um, but do we get Urban Meyer if they, if they beat Well, Florida? now you're talking about the butterfly effect, and I'm not thinking of – I don't think okay. about the okay. – Johnny, enough. I don't think about the ramifications. I'm, I'm 48 <laughs> years old, and I have not learned this yet. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, the other one that I, I would really like to change the outcome of would, would be my beloved Miami Dolphins against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. I would have liked to, I would have liked to have gotten Dan Marino a championship. Um, yeah, I, I, I can, I, I, I feel you on that one. I, man, I don't know that it would be OSU related. If you I go I back think and I, have I, I Lewis keep... Phillips not drop that interception in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't because know. <laughs> I know you're a big Bengals fan. I I am a big Bengals fan, but part of being a Bengals fan is understanding that life is pain <laughs> and that you're never going to be happy ever. So you're just going to go with back it. in That's... time and shoot Joe Kim Noah in the knee so he can't play in the national <laughs> championship game against Greg Oden. I I want that national championship, and Greg Oden played really really well in that game. He dominated that game. It, it was just Florida could not miss threes, and that was furious. Uh, that that made me furious. Um, or, you know, even yeah, maybe go got, back and change the outcome of uh, William Buford's shooting night against Kentucky, because I think if Ohio State beats Kentucky, <laughs> they cakewalk to a national title. Maybe. I, I got to say, I think it's got to be the national championship game, though, because that, that team seemed like they, they deserved it. I mean, they were, that was the best collection of talent I've seen maybe in any college of basketball Conley team. Conley and Butler Since. and Ivan Harris and Mark Titus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, yeah, I got to I gotta go with that one, uh, especially in the light that that occurred just a couple months after the loss to Florida in the yeah. national championship game. I was like getting beat by Florida twice in one calendar okay, year. Okay, so here's or the one deal. Year, I'll take it, and I'll go back and fix the football game, and then you, you take it go. and you go fix the basketball game. And then yes. we double whammy. We have, that's right, Greg. We have we have figured out your plan. Uh, that's perfect, and I think that is that's what we got to do. So that's it. That's how all our questions for ask us anything. Please continue to ask us ridiculous, goofy uh, things, some, uh, especially about Pokemon gym leaders. Um, <laughs> I have many opinions about those. Do you want to answer yeah. the Twitter questions? Do we get Twitter questions? Oh, I didn't know we got Twitter we questions. Twitter. Oh, I'm two sorry. Two Twitter please. questions from please. Mr. Andrew Hire. Oh, and he's, a, he's a regular. We can't diss him. So he says, yeah, uh, a week later, but what are your thoughts on the goal line call from the Super Bowl? It felt like a feed-hide situation <laughs> 10 out of 10 times, Johnny. That made me angry. I don't even give a crap about Seattle or the Patriots. I could not care less about those two teams. But I was so mad after the game. Like, I couldn't believe my level of anger uh, concerning a team that I really have no allegiance to whatsoever. I mean, that was one of the dumbest. And then I think New York Times put out something a couple of, like, well, statistically, that isn't a horrible play. I'm like, shut yeah. up. Like, that has got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever yeah. seen. I don't I know. Think 10 out of 10 times. Pete Carroll's like, it's my fault, my bad. And everybody's like, yeah, hey, great job, Pete Carroll. You owned up to it. I'm like, 
Hell yeah, he should own up to it. He's the freaking head coach. That's his <laughs> the call. Buck that was stupid. there, man. Ten times out of ten, Andrew. I mean, you got you got Lynch, and here's the thing too. People will say, well, you know, he carried the ball at the one yard line X number of times and hadn't had good good success. Well, you know what? You still want that clock to move a little bit when Tom Brady's on the other right. sideline. So if you don't get in on you have two downs yeah, plus timeout. So you you right. have a chance to stop the clock. So yes, uh, it was a feed hide situation and they didn't do it. So that was an obvious question, uh, an obvious answer. Real. Stupid. So Andrew's other question is. With John Stewart leaving, which past or present Buckeyes should be the next Daily Show host? Uh, we were talking about this dude earlier. I think I think Rob Smith uh, or Robert Smith. Sorry, I almost said Rod Smith. Not on the team. <laughs> uh, I think Robert Smith would be great. I, I think he would be an excellent addition. To that he's a very intelligent guy, very eloquent. I think he do a and great a funny job. guy too. He's he's got a good sense of humor. Yeah. he was on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. So he's been, yeah, so he's sure. no stranger to being in front of the camera. Uh, in that situation. Right. So, yeah, I think Robert Smith is your answer. And that is Ask Us Anything. Please continue to ask us all manner of things. I'm sorry, Andrew, I almost screwed up your uh, your question there. Uh, but there you go, and, and please send them in. All right, joining us tonight is John Gasway of ESPN. Uh, we're really lucky to have him to talk about all kinds of basketball-related items. So how are you doing tonight, first of all? I'm excellent. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. I'm glad we got to have you on. You know, it's it's funny, like, I could not remember if we had you on before or not, and I don't, like, we've been doing this for a while, for, uh, I think, since, like, 2011. You were one of our very first guests that we ever had on the Dubcast, uh, and this was, like, years ago, but I, I'm really glad we were able to get you back. And apparently um, I, I wowed you so much that I, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've never been back, well, you know. Like Ma- just, like Madonna with Letterman, you know, I've, I've just right. uh, just just <laughs> blacklisted from then on. But uh, no, it's, it's, I'm glad you get to be Madonna in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely <laughs> it's good to be back. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you back. And, um, you know, there's a lot that I really want to ask you about. Obviously, the really big national news, I think, basketball related that's going on is, is about Dean Smith. And you, you know, there's been a lot of like retrospectives and all that kind of thing, but I want you to talk a little bit about something that you wrote uh, just briefly about on your blog. And, and I'm like a huge fan of advanced statistics, and I, I think basketball is one of those sports that lends itself really well to it. And I guess I was just wondering, you know, if you could elaborate on that a little bit and, and what you had been talking about. Well, there, there are a couple of uh, amazing aspects of an amazing guy named Dean Smith. And one of them is it, as if it wouldn't be enough that he was already one of the most successful basketball coaches of all time. And it, as if it wouldn't be enough that he was an early and stalwart uh, champion of civil rights at a time right. when, you know, it's easy for us to all pay lip service and say, yeah, I would have done the exact same thing. Well, you know, <laughs> transport you or, or I, you know, back <laughs> Uh, right, you know, fifty years to that spot. Oh my god! I'll, and and to interrupt you real quick. I, that is such a great point. I, I'm I'm sorry. I get really geeked out about this stuff. I'm a social studies teacher by trade. Like that's my that's my real job. And I cannot tell you how many times I make that exact point yeah. to my students about that. I think that's. I'm really glad you said that. So he uh, he was out there, <laughs> you know, putting yeah. putting himself on the line for that. So as if all of that wouldn't be enough, then oh by the way, he also invented. The entire idea, as far as I'm concerned, of 
advanced stats. And I mean that for sports. I don't mean that for college basketball. I don't mean that right. merely for basketball. I mean for sports. And I have great respect for Bill James. It just uh, happened to be the case that Dean Smith was older. And in the 1950s, uh, he was figuring out how well his, uh, as an assistant at Air Force, he was figuring out how well his teams were doing on a per-possession basis. And to my knowledge, the next guy who had that idea was a guy named Dean Oliver in about 1989. So, you know, that that's a pretty forward-thinking idea. He had, uh, right, yeah, no kidding. 30 years before anybody else had it. And it, just an amazing uh, career in so many ways. And uh, he had the uh, insight that kind of, as far as I'm concerned, uh, cracked open the sport. I mean, once... Uh, once I read Dean Oliver's book, I, uh, I, I thought about basketball that same way that those two uh, pioneer, pioneering figures thought about it, and uh, right. Dean Smith got there first. So, I mean, what separates? I mean, we see basketball coaches all the time, and I, I you know, I think there's a lot of discussion, especially among Ohio State fans, like, is this coach a good coach or a, a great coach? And it, is it those type of insights that really separates guys like you know, Krzyzewski or Dean Smith from guys who are just merely like, you know, they accumulate wins and whatnot, but maybe not really change the game in the same manner as those guys did. Right. I mean, accumulating wins is, is the, uh, is the raison d'etre and it's, it's a good thing. I, I don't uh, denigrate it at all. <laughs> and there are, right. there are lots of coaches uh, still, you know, this, this late in the day in 2015 who uh, don't find uh, a need for the advanced stuff uh, we have, and that's fine, and and you can be successful and do that. Uh, we pretty much have reached a point where those, where where such head coaches do choose to have a a bright young lad on the staff who is conversant with this stuff. So it can right. it's not necessarily dismissed out of hand the way it was as recently as four or five years ago. But uh, you know you can win games as a head coach without uh, trafficking in in these kinds of metrics, and uh, you know that's. That's part of the fascinating and fun thing to me about commenting on sports as opposed to something that really matters is, you know, why is that? You know, why, why can, why can coach X, you know, I, I've, I've talked to him. I know that, you know, he's a great guy, but he's dumb as a post and he wins game. You know, (laughs) Uh, does it matter? You know, if you're uh, not bright in these, you know, certain quote unquote important ways, uh, you know, how does that work? How do those variables uh, fall yeah. out? Then there's this guy over here. You know, he's smart as a whip. He's coming up with all kinds of new stuff, and uh, his teams look awful. So, you know, it's, it's not a simple uh, cause and effect uh, relationship at all, and that's uh, part of what, what drew me to uh, the, the sweet gig that I'm lucky enough to have. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing because, you know, I'm a big baseball fan too, and there there's such a push, you know, from – I think a push back from old school type fans, coaches, players, et cetera, whatever, who want to dismiss the concept of advanced stats and what it means for the game. And baseball, I, I believe maybe more than any sport lends itself to that just because the sample sizes are just so gigantic. Right. Um, and it, it, it just surprises me that especially in this day and age and especially in college sports where, you know, the competition for talent, and just the the idea that you need to constantly be winning, and, and one loss can be just a horrible stain on your resume. 
it surprises me that coaches like would even some of them would not be buying into this completely yet. And I that just that's really fascinating to me. Well, I think in the college game, uh, the talent imbalances are such that uh, the the players trump all. It's it's a much different ecosystem in the NBA where it's a very uh, tight knit community of you know what do you got three hundred of the world's greatest basketball right. players. Uh, much different. Uh, there's there's not a lot of talent imbalances uh, to the same degree in the NBA. Obviously, the uh, the legends and the all stars are clearly better than everybody else, but you don't see the kind of talent disparities that you get in uh, the NCAA tournament, where you've got uh, one and done guys uh, playing head to head against guys who will never even sniff the NBA, except <laughs> except yeah. perhaps for attending a game. So, you know, if you've got the one-and-done guy, you know, you're going to win more times than not. But in the NBA, they can't fall back on that necessarily. So within the the, uh, 30-some teams, nobody wanted to be caught, you know, at a certain point bringing a knife to that uh, analytic gunfight. <laughs> and right. once uh, one or two or three teams got uh, guys who could talk this way, then they all just quickly did. And I mean, it was it was a span of, I, I, want, I don't want to exaggerate, but I want to say within about two years, I mean, it was really fast. And yeah. we will never have that kind of moment in our uh, vast, unruly Division One with its 300 teams. But uh, this... Uh, slow creeping progression is is what we're seeing and uh it's pretty interesting so do you think i mean going back to kind of the talent disparity you know specifically with ncaa is kentucky for example that much better than every other team i mean are they a real threat to just like you know run through everybody to the championship or is there maybe some more there are other larger factors at play than just being awesome, I guess. Right. Uh, you know, the, Kentucky statistically is is very much in line with uh, past national champions and past national championship contenders. I mean, obviously, statistically, they're way better than the defending national champions, Connecticut, last year. But right. you know, they're they're outscoring a, a mediocre SEC by about the margin that you would expect from past heavyweight teams, and that, of course, includes Kentucky itself in 2012. So, I mean, you can see that glass is half full or half empty. I mean, they are legit. They could absolutely uh, run the table and win the national championship. At the same time, uh, are they the greatest team of the past 10 years? You know, actually, that's, that's not at all clear at this point. I mean, the 2012 team was just as good as these guys, even though they did happen to you know, start the SEC season with a loss at uh, Indiana already on their resume. So, uh, absolutely, Kentucky is is good, and Duke, you know, with with just quote unquote just eight scholarship players. Well, they're all eight All American, <laughs> McDonald's All Americans. So, yeah, <laughs> they're pretty good. They're pretty talented too. And uh, you know, Okafor uh, arguably is is the most talented. Uh, player in in the college games, and Kentucky doesn't have them. So again, an, uh, a nice little wrinkle that uh, keeps us watching and, and keeps us interested. So here's the thing, you, you know, looking at the the top 25 AP USA Today, you know, you, you've got those teams with the the massive amounts of talent. I mean, Duke, obviously, Kentucky, et cetera. 
What about, you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about coaches that are doing the things that they need to do to win. What is Wichita State doing? What is North, you know, Northern Iowa doing to, to coach up that talent that, that probably is not, you know, a roster full of McDonald's All-Americans? Like, what do those coaches do to get the most out of that talent? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think part of it is is sheer luck. If you look at uh, Wichita State, for example, uh, Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet were guys who ended up at Wichita State. I think Baker was completely off of the recruiting radar screen, and it has just blown up as a really uh, genuinely great college player. Van Vliet's situation was a little bit different, you know, uh, College programs caught on late that, hey, this guy's really going to be good. But by that time, he had committed to Wichita State, and being a good guy, he he honored that commitment. So you need those kinds of uh, happy accidents. Another example would be guys like uh, Gordon Hayward, who to this day you know, is earning a paycheck in the NBA, um, lightly recruited out of, uh, out of central Indiana, ends up at Butler, along at the same time as Matt Howard, who is also a genuinely good college player. You need those kinds of happy accidents, and those are a huge help even to demonstrably bright guys like Greg Marshall and, uh, and Brad Stevens. So that's a, that's a big, big help. And then the Northern Iowa situation is a little more traditional where it's, it's a, I mean, they do have a, a transfer from Virginia, Paul Jesperson, but for the most part, it's, it's a bunch of guys who have, hung out together for uh, four years and have now matured. And Seth Tuttle is having a season for the ages. They uh, transformed from a really bad defensive team last year into a very good one this year. And in an otherwise slow-paced Missouri Valley, it's going to be really fun to watch because those are finally you know, two good teams and one that can give Wichita State a, a run for its money. So uh, good examples you chose there. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying watching those two in the Missouri Valley this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I love watching those types of teams in March. Like the, I just, that's what I think it was made for, and I think it's really cool just to to look at the personalities and the coaches and whatnot, and you know, see how they evolve over the, you know, just that month, just to see how they do in the tournament, and then you know, in their local their conference tournament, and then in the national tournament. Um, I have to ask you about Ohio State. Obviously, this is you know Ohio State podcast. Uh, Ohio State fans. I don't know if we really have a great beat on this team yet. We know we have one really awesome player. We know D'Angelo Russell is is amazing, but it looks so bipolar from week to week. And obviously, the suspension to uh, Mark Loving doesn't help. No, it doesn't. But what what is the ceiling on this team? I mean, if they are playing at their absolute best, how far can they go? Well, I'm going to go way, way back uh, for a, a parallel to this Ohio State team and. The uh, listeners will have to excuse me. I'm, go- I'm going back all the way 10 years to 2005. <laughs> uh, that, God, I can't believe that's 10 years ago. That year you had a, a great team. Uh, this is going to be hard to believe for the younger listeners, but Illinois used, <laughs> Illinois used to be really good, and they were, uh, yeah. they were undefeated that year, uh, defeated in the uh, last game of the regular season by Ohio State, aptly enough. But my point here is that they were uh, – Legit great team. They were number one in the nation all season long. They they won the Big Ten. And uh, by contrast, uh, everybody, including Tom Izzo, 
was uh, really disappointed in Michigan State all year that year. They were just like, what's wrong with Michigan State? They're not very good. You know, look at them. They're losing at home, Illinois. What's wrong with this team? And then once they got out from under the shadow of Illinois, all they did was get to the Final Four. That was actually a really good team. Uh, that's kind of what I think of when I look at Ohio State this year uh, next to Wisconsin. Clearly, Wisconsin is better. This is one of the best teams and definitely one of the best offenses we've seen in the Big Ten in a long, long time. And uh, there's a lot of statistical space between the Badgers and Ohio State. That being said, um, I, I like what I'm seeing a lot from the Buckeyes. I think there's clear potential for this to be uh, the number two team in the Big Ten. Uh, I do hope that Mark Loving comes back because reliable three-point shooting is, is very important. Um, I don't think that I have any new Valentines to offer to D'Angelo Russell that haven't been <laughs> phrased better by other people. You know, I guess yeah. if I were making a, a comparison that would just be uh, heresy in Columbus, I, I'd, I'd compare him to Trey Burke. I mean, that's the kind of... Well, he's, uh, you know, he's a local guy. Like, we, it's hard for us to hate Trey Burke just because okay. of... Well, you there know, you go. I mean, seriously, in terms of scoring point guards in the Big Ten, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, and, and total mastery of that role, uh, that's what you're looking at. And keep in mind, it took Trey Burke uh, two years. You know, I mean, he, he reached that right. as a sophomore. D'Angelo Russell is doing it as a freshman, and that's kind of why the NBA is, is slightly interested in this guy. And then, you know, uh, Tate, you know, somebody forgot to tell him he's only 6'4", because he's playing, <laughs> he's playing the four spot, you know. And I right. mean, no, no condescension in this praise at all. I mean, legitimately, he is a Big Ten power forward and uh, <laughs> a, a tremendously effective one. So, you know, nobody, please, nobody tell him, hey, you know, you're 6'4", 190. And he'll be, oh, my gosh, you're right. Um, so, yeah, if they get, if they get loving back uh, I, and – you know, as a longtime fan of, of Shannon Scott, who spent years, uh, you know, banging the drum saying, stop talking about Aaron Kraft's defense. Please, <laughs> please look at Shannon Scott's defense. Uh, there is a lot to like with this Ohio State team. Well, I, I very much appreciate your words of encouragement. It's, it's been a little hard sometimes this year, but uh, the the last game, I think, really helped out our overall attitude towards the team. And, and I, you know, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of pieces there, and, and Thad Mata's a great coach. So we just want him to be dangerous in, in March, and, I, and hopefully right. that's, that's what it's going to look as like. As long as you don't see Iowa in the Final Four, apparently you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, Fran. Um, okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. John Gasway of ESPN, uh, it was a great conversation. I'm really glad we got to have you on. After so long, way too long, and uh, we'll have to have you on uh, much sooner than, than this. I'd appreciate that. Thanks for having me. All right, joining us tonight, Grantland writer, former Ohio State, all-time great, uh, Mark Titus. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> A living God, I, actually. You know what? I, look, that is, that is slightly tongue-in-cheek, but i got to be honest. When I was, I was in college at the same time you were, and I worshipped your blog, and now I'm a blogger myself. Uh, not quality, probably not as good, but I, I still am very excited to be talking to you. And uh, I think you have a lot of really great insight, um, obviously into the team and Thad Mod and whatnot. And, and that's really why we have you on. So thank you so much for coming on tonight. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, I will say that Eleven Warriors is always good to me. Um, 
there are a few times where I ruffled some feathers at Ohio State, and <laughs> Eleven Warriors was always, uh, you know, always had my back, and I appreciate that. So I'm always willing to to play ball with Eleven Warriors. Whereas, yeah, man, I mean, sometimes other, to maybe some other people, maybe that wouldn't be the case. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes feathers need to be ruffled. Like I, that's right. just that's the name of the game. So I don't. We will. We will always have your back on that. Right. Um, <laughs> so I got a lot of questions to ask you. First one, I mean, I I don't know if I want to save this until later, but this is something we talked about last week, Michael and I, with regards to the basketball team, and maybe it doesn't seem as relevant now, but I've been thinking about it. Does Amir Williams hate basketball? Like, is that is that a real thing, or is it like, or are we overstating it a little bit? This is it's funny you ask because I in I mean I don't I don't want to prepare too much because I got a whole stick where I don't take anything seriously, but I was kind of. Uh, <laughs> you know, thinking about questions you might ask. And I, I knew a mirror get brought up and I was thinking about how I would describe it. And it's pure speculation on my part. I mean, I'm around the program a little bit. I still go back and um, I'll work out, you know, like once every month probably and just pretend <laughs> like I'm still kind of in somewhat of shape, but uh, I'll go, I'll right. go back to the gym right now and then be around. And Amir is, so it's, it's not like he's told me that he hates basketball, but just seeing him like, when he's in the locker room, he he <laughs> is all full of life. When he's yeah. just around the guys, he's having fun. When he's whatever, and then like as soon as he gets between the lines, it's like, oh, I hate this. Like I just want to go home. And the, and I really <laughs> think that's what it is. I really think at this point in his life, he's like, I'm just doing this. I'm getting my scholarship, and I'm you know I I got it. Like I'm I'm gonna be here and and not be late for stuff, and I'll do this. And I like my teammates, but like man, I. I really would probably prefer to not play basketball. It's like it's like he was tall and someone forced him to play, and then he, he was kind of good at it, and then now he's so deep into it that he can't quit now. Um, but, yeah, that's speculation, and I, I don't think Amir is, like, a bad person. Um, but he frustrates me just as much as he frustrates every other Ohio State fan. Um, and, and I really think at that point, at this point, I really do think he just, like, probably doesn't like basketball. I mean, I don't – I know that Coach Modest tried everything to get through to him, and kind of, and, and he just didn't really respond to anything. And, and I don't know. I mean, that's it's it's pure speculation, but I think that that is fair to say that he doesn't like basketball that much. Oh, uh, Mark, uh, first of all, for our listeners, if you ha- if you haven't read the book, don't put me in, Coach. I highly recommend it. A uh, fantastic read. And I wanted to ask you, actually ask you about the book. You write a book like that. And then you 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 see some of these people you wrote about, and what kind of reaction did you get uh, from 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 the folks that you wrote about in your book? Um, mostly positive. Uh, I'm trying to think of. I, I read, so the one negative was uh, obviously Evan Turner, um, <laughs> who I am actually I'm actually good friends with now. I think I don't know. Last time I saw him, we were <laughs> we were amicable and, and and like each other, but you never know with Evan. Um, he called me one. He called me like the day after the book came out, and I knew what it was gonna be. Like I saw his number pop up, and I knew it was him. And um, I was like, I know what this is about. I don't want to answer this. So I put it to voicemail, and then he leaves me like a two minute voicemail. <laughs> and the voicemail is basically him cussing me out, and say like all this stuff not true or whatever, whatever. And then at the end, he goes, "Call me back." And I thought that was like the funniest thing ever because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get right on this. I'm going to call you right back, Evan. We'll talk to this. Uh, um, to, to, to be fair, I would probably be a little upset if I was him. Um, but then to be fair from the other side, I left out a lot of stuff. And I could have put in a lot more. So uh, I found a good middle ground. 
um, to where he would be a, like, I would kind of push his buttons a little bit, but it's not, I don't think it was too bad. So, uh, the, the one that I wrote a story and I won't give anything away, but, uh, I wrote a story about Ivan Harris that you might remember if you've read the book, um, where we shared a hotel room. Um, and I really thought he would be upset about that one. And I saw him and he was just like, what I, the first time I saw him, this was like a year and a half after the book came out. Uh, he was just dying laughing. He's like, that was the funniest thing, man. He's like, people ask me about that all the time. And I'm just laughing. I'm like, what? You're not mad at me? He's like, no, man, that's hilarious. I'm so glad I made your book. So, um, awesome. No, most guys are cool with it. And, and I, the goal wasn't, the book, I wasn't trying to, you know, embarrass anybody or, I mean, maybe that happened as a, there, there was one story that I had, and I, I won't name names. I won't even say what it was about, but there was one story that I thought was funny um, I put it in the book. I had the, I actually let the Ohio State coaching staff read the book before I published it. Um, and I had them read it and they kind of came to me and were like, I don't need, I don't know if this needs to be in there. This is kind of mean spirited. And I read, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. Like it's, to me it was funny, but I feel like if I would have left it in there, it just would have been an attack on this teammate of mine. And so I thought it's not worth it. Whereas the other ones, I was like, no, this story's funny. And if it maybe makes them look, it's kind of embarrassing for my teammate, like whatever, it's hilarious. I got to tell the story. But if it was something that was like, this could change his life, you know, I just left right. it out. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I, cause that wasn't the goal. I wasn't trying to, you know, spill everyone's dirt. It was just more, I wanted to give people a look at what it's like to kind of the fun we have behind the scenes. So, you know, you know what, like, I'm, first of all, I'm really glad you wrote that book because I mean, obviously it's, it's freaking hilarious, but, I also want to get more insight into Thad Mata, and I, you know, I grew up near Cincinnati, and I was kind of a UC fan, and I was, I hated him for a long time, uh, just because his Xavier, you know, his Xavier teams like killed, every, you know, UC all the time. Um, but you know, I learned more about him. I knew he was a funny dude. Um, I got to, he did this speech along with Urban Meyer a couple of years ago. Uh, there's this event down uh, near Middletown called the Pigskin Round Ball, and one of my favorite things about it is one of the first things that he did when he got up there was like, tra- he didn't trash Xavier fans, but he kind of alluded like they were going to slash the tires on his car or something. And, <laughs> and I was like, that is, that's a pretty great power move to go back down to Cincinnati and then immediately like mess with Xavier fans. So I thought it was pretty great, especially in a room full of like, you know, a bunch of Catholics. So yeah. what, like, what's so great about that? Why is he such, like, a personal, like, what makes him such a good coach and, and good at what he does and, and um, have that kind of cool attitude about it? Yeah, I think he's got a great sense of humor, and I think he's, uh, and that that goes a long way, and he's a, he's he's very much a player's coach in that um, he, he we, we never run in practice, and it's kind of funny because he, he would, when he gets mad, he'll, like, you know, cuss and, and yell at everyone for, like, five minutes, and then, and at the very end, it'll be like, get on the line, run it down and back, and blow his whistle. And we're like, down and back? Like, you're, you're mad at us, and you think this is going to, like, make us, you know. Um, so he's, he's very, he's very, um, he's a player's coach. I mean, he, he, he says, I give, I'm going to give you freedom. And this is, why I, this is why I got away with my blog and, like, some of the stuff I got away with. Because he says, I'm going to give you freedom until you screw up. And once you screw up, then, you know, like, we'll deal with that. And, and we'll change the rules. But... I'm going to give you freedom. You do what you need to do. And even like kind of in the off season, like we obviously work out with a strength and conditioning guy, but it's kind of his mentality is like, listen, you've got to put in the work. I'm not going to like hold your hand and, and force you to do this. Cause if you're not ready to go come season, you just won't play. And that's kind of his mentality, but he'll give you the freedom, but then also you got to take the responsibility upon yourself. Um, so 
I don't know. He he just has a good sense of humor, and that's why I always liked him. Was uh, him and he and I always got along great um, because of that. He, I, I would tell him some of the jokes I would write and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't think he ever read my blog or read anything like that. But he, I, I would tell him stuff I would write, and he thought it was hysterical. And and every time he sees me, he's always got a joke for me. And some of the times they're funny. Some of the times I have to pretend to laugh. Um, but it's just, that's just kind of how he is. And and the other thing I'll say, actually, I, I ran into him last night. I haven't seen him in probably a month. I was, um, at the Shaco and my buddy, my, my best friend from high school was with me. And my, my friend went out there, he went to the university of Arizona. So he wasn't really on Ohio state campus, but every now and then, like during Christmas break or something, he would come and stay with me at practice and, and like come to practices and stuff. So he's met fad probably four or five times is all. And in all the years. Um, and he's barely ever talking. It's more like Coach Mata, you remember my friend? He's like, Yeah, I remember him. and then that's it. Well, um I was talking to I was talking to that a couple of months ago. He asked me about my friend. I, I told him that he that my friend was in Minnesota now. So last night I, me and my friend are there and he and he goes, Oh, Andy, how you doing? He remembered his name one and then he, and then the first thing he said is like, You're still living in Minnesota, how's that going? And that blew me away. Like my my friend was like blown away by it too. He's like, How does he even know? I told him, I said, Andy, I don't think he knows where I live. He knows that you live in Minnesota. <laughs> like, but the thing about the, like, a, like, I mean, I have a good relationship with him, but if you think that, like, he knows that a walk-on from five years ago, his friend, where he lived, you know, like, stuff like that. It's like, how do you, right. why why does that matter to you? Why, uh, and, and it's, that's just kind of the guy he is, that that, that, that would matter to him, and, and um I don't know. So he, he's a good dude. Uh, half the time I talk to him, I try to talk him into retiring so we can uh, – hang out and you know i can see him or i go to his house and just watch basketball with him because he's, he's just a cool dude and i like to hang out with him but then the other half's like no nah, i want you to coach ohio state obviously so well speaking of ohio state um yeah. you know obviously we've, we've had a, a just an unbelievable uh crop of freshmen come in this year uh, led mm-hmm. by d'angelo russell uh, so you you know as a fan you're sitting there going it's great to watch this kid play but there's always part of me when i watch this kid play thinking crap he's gone after this year what, what do you think about the, yeah. the one and done era that we're in and and what can we do as people as a as a society to keep d'angelo russell another year at ohio state <laughs> um i don't know we got we got to leak some stories about him or something like he's a terrible person and you know like make his draft question his character and make his draft stock plummet or something like that <laughs> I don't know, man. He, I, I think, I think he's got a chance to be number one. But like, I, I'm sold on Jaleel Okafor being one, um, being the number one pick. But the more I watch, like, Gangelo just gets better and better, and and he's starting to become in the conversation. I mean, I try to be unbiased and all that, and and I, I do think Okafor is probably going to go one. But he, he's just, he's, he gets better every time I watch him play, and he, he's a. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 crazy. Cause to be honest, at the start of the season, I I had my doubts. The the one thing about uh, D'Angelo that um, it still kind of drives me a little crazy, but he he's, he's become so good that I don't really care anymore. He's like really casual, and um, the best example of this is that pass he had against Northwestern to Sam, that backdoor pass. You know what I'm talking about? The one where he like yeah. he was up by half court and he like threw it one handed that like bounce pass. So everyone's going like crazy Jedi, about that. It was a Jedi trick or something. Yeah, everyone's going crazy about that pass. It was an amazing pass. And I'm sitting there thinking, why does he have the ball with one hand, like, sticking it out away from his body? On the, like, is no one going to talk about this? So he does that kind of stuff. But then, like, as the season wore on, it's like, oh, okay, never mind, D'Angelo. You just do whatever you got to do, man. And it, this is working. So, 
Um, I don't know. As far as the one and done, though, like I think I think Fads has done a decent job of, of um, you know, getting those guys, but then also getting the the Aaron Crafts and the John Deeblers and the David Lighties, who you know are four year guys that'll be around for a while. And I think I think Jay Sean Tate's going to be one of those guys. It's like he's going to be in a weird way. He might be a better recruit than D'Angelo because you know D'Angelo is going to do this thing this year and probably go, and then just Jay Sean is going to be sticking around building the program and and, and I, I love him i love watching him play and I, i'm excited to see what he's gonna be able to do and so um yeah i think that's done a good job of, of striking the balance i don't really know what college basketball needs to do as far as like a rule change or all that um i obviously i like college basketball more than nba so i'd i'd like to see all these guys stay for four years but i kind of get it and um, whoever wants to stay i'll cheer for them so and i don't know and, I'll, and i will definitely cheer for dan wherever he goes because he's fun to watch yeah, you know, we were talking. I, I was talking with John about like, um, you know, coaches kind of coaching up their teams in March and whatnot. What, what does Thad Mata do? I mean, th- this team looks like they they have kind of, you know, Mark Loving suspension aside, kind of brought it together a little bit. They've approved. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the way they looked in December versus now is, is pretty ridiculous. What can a coach yeah. do to to make a team improve like that? Well, I think for him, it, I think it was a feeling out process. I mean, he has all these freshmen that are playing big roles and don't really know what they can do and what they can't do. And, and even the, I mean, in retrospect, I kind of wish we played a tougher non-conference schedule because they didn't really learn anything about your guys, you know, um, just beating up on all these terrible teams. Um, so I, I think there's like a feeling out process about like what guys can do. And, and we learned that D'Angelo Russell can do a lot. So what we decided is put the ball in his hands and go from there. And, uh, that is one thing that uh, uh, Dad will do is um, if you got one guy on the team who is clearly better than everyone else on the team, he's not afraid to just say, <laughs> give him the ball and everyone get out of the way. Like This reminds me of, of, and I'm sure I'm not the first to make the comparison, but this is like Evan Turner's last year at Ohio State where, I mean, I remember in practice, no one else, like, I forgot, I forgot what the ball felt like. I, I, like guys had to like after practice go over and touch the ball and re- remember what it feels like because Evan would just have the ball in his hand at all times, and uh, which is fine. I mean that's what worked for us. Evan was twice as good as anyone else on the court, and 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 Thad's not afraid to do that. Whereas like other coaches might say, "No, play within the system." Where like this is our system. This is how we're going to do it. Thad's like, you know what? You take the ball. You do what you got to do. And and I think that's uh, kind of the difference. I think guys have kind of settled in. They've learned to play with D'Angelo you know, kind of being the focal play off of him. Um, whereas earlier in the season, it was kind of a feeling out thing where D'Angelo was playing more off the ball and, and, and that sort of stuff. So um, also kind of going small has helped too. I mean, like we talked about with Amir, uh, I don't know, it's, it's encouraging to see Dad get to the point where he's like, you know, if you don't want to play, don't play. We'll uh, we'll find five that do want to play. And, and I think a lot of Ohio State fans have been begging for that to happen, and it's kind of finally starting to happen, so that's kind of cool too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank seriously, uh, Mark. You know, we really appreciate you coming on and, and offering your insight and all this. And it, we'll have to have you on maybe at the end of the season to kind of break all this stuff down and, and talk about how it all played out. But uh, thanks for the the stories and the commentary. We really appreciate it, dude. All right, man. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, and that was the eleven Dubcast tonight. Uh, you know what? I say all right. All, I, I noticed this. Whew. You know, I, I review the Dubcast every time I start a new segment. I go all right, and I I've, like I get very excited about the Dubcast, but I've I've got to kind of figure out a different way to uh, maybe introduce segments. I guess we anyway. Get Jason to send us to broadcast school. <laughs> that's right. I really need to go. 
this it, I don't know that broadcast school will help me, but yes. Uh, anyway, thanks again to Mark Titus, Mark the Shark, and of course John Gassaway. Guys are both great. I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking with us. I just I'm just so happy that we have cool basketball people to talk to because basketball is cool, and I I, I like that Ohio State's kind of finding a, a cool identity. Um, I wish we could make Titus also, our Finkus for basketball season. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That would be pretty sweet. We should try to arrange that. I also uh, want to thank you guys for writing in and, and whatnot and sending us tweets for asking us anything. That was great. Mm-hmm. And, Michael, I want to thank you for joining me. I know you've had a very rough week, so you, you did a great job. I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been a very, very busy week, but um, hopefully things will be calming down tomorrow, and I'll be back to my normal busyness level and not this incredibly hyper-busy schedule. That would be nice. So here's what I'm going to ask you. You know, we talked a little bit about this national championship is is but a sweet memory at this point. What is your favorite bit of national championship swag that has come out in the past, you know, month, I guess, since uh, this all went down? Okay, so I got a really strong opinion on this. Okay. So there was a shirt that came out that I really, really liked that Nike made. Yeah. And, okay, so I went and looked at, looked for it online, and... (laughs) There it is in women's size. There it is in the youth size. There it is yeah. in the sweatshirt. And there it is in the dry fit, you know, moisture wicking oh, $35 yeah. deal. Not available as, as a men's t-shirt. Wow. What is it? it it's, just a, it's just a plain, it's kind of a, like a, a, a white t-shirt. And it says, The Champions. And it's got the Ohio State logo and the, and the like the... National College Football Championship logo on it, and it's it's just simple, and it's kind of my style. It's a simple kind of thing, and I like the the look of it and the design of it. And of course, it doesn't come in the form that I want it in, but every other form yeah. imaginable. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Michael. Yes. That that does sound like a pretty sweet shirt. Also, so I ended up getting one. my I, I got my Turvis tumbler that I showed told you about last week, and I got oh, yeah. I got a red T-shirt with the you know with the championship logo on it, nice. which is pretty scarlet. Scarlet T-shirt, uh, and I've nice. worn it uh, already a couple of times, and I'm going to wear it again uh, sometime this weekend. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a good choice. My uh, my favorite bit of swag is is something I got from my my girlfriend's dad for my birthday, and it's the national champion snapback that they wore uh, after they won the national championship. You know, the black one, uh-huh. and then it's got the gold underneath the brim, mm-hmm. and I just think that looks icy as hell, and. I actually had a dream where I was looking at it, and then the gold foil underneath started to come off, and it wasn't gold anymore, and I woke up, and I was very sad. Oh. So I immediately checked my hat to make sure it was still there. I have to say, first yeah. of all, th- uh, happy birthday, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, I, I thank that. you on the Facebook. And I've been subtweeting my, my birthday here for the past <laughs> like minutes, so I, I appreciate you acknowledging it. Yes, I, I thanked you on the Facebook. I don't know if you saw that, but... Um, I did. That was really and good. Then, uh, but the other thing about it is I just I don't understand the, the snapback hat It's a cool phrase. look. It's a cool look if you can pull it off. It's a cool look you can pull it off. I can't, but I, I just appreciate the hat in general. I think it's pretty sweet. Mm, you need to... Okay. If, you're, if you've got like an athlete body, got a big neck, big head, I think it looks good, but... I'm not there yet. I'll I'll get there. I'm not there yet. Uh but it it's just a nice it's just a nice hat. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And if you are out there listening, support capitalism. We we must protect this uh this way of life, this American way of life by as much as you possibly can. Buy you some swag. Forever. 
if you don't buy things, you'll never be able to appreciate things. There's no other way to appreciate something than to buy something to remember you, uh, you know, to, to have that memory. So That's right. I almost anyway. waited too long in 2002. I almost waited too long to buy stuff, and it was like the T-shirt I bought it was a long sleeve because they didn't mm-hmm. have any more of the short sleeve ones left, but ended up getting the short sleeve one later anyway. So that it well, worked that's out. Good. That's good. Don't that's wait, good folks. Hear. Buy it now. I agree. Um, so anyway, guys, that's our dubcast for this week. Uh, again, thanks to everybody who listened and, and came on to talk with us, and, and we'll see you guys next week. So until then, I am John Ginner. Michael Citro here. Peace. Peace.